Good morning, Berean Church. We are so glad to have each and every one of you here with us this morning. And if you are a first-time guest or joining us online, we especially welcome you and would love to get to know more about you. For those in the building, if you could, be sure to grab an orange Connect card and a seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, and drop it off in the giving box on the way out of the auditorium. Or you and those watching online can simply text the word CONNECT to 77411. And we also want to thank everyone for your faithful giving. As a reminder, you can give by grabbing an offering envelope out of the seat pocket in front of you and dropping it off in the giving box on the way out of the auditorium. Or you can give by texting your dollar amount to the number 84321. You can also give online by going to bereanhub.com giving. Once again, we want to thank all of you for joining us today. And remember, we are a church that extends hope and wholeness to broken humanity. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying Take a look in the mirror What do you see? Do you see it clearer? Or are you deceived? In what you believe Cause I'm only human after all Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. We're continuing our series following the ads from the He Gets Us campaign. They provide the ad, I provide the sermon, in case you're wondering. I'm not downloading this from their website, in case someone would want to ask. But the reality is, we have a high priest who's touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Not only is he divine, the son of God, he was also human, the son of man and feels our pain and walks with us. And he gets us, communicates that to us in a unique way. And I felt like God put that on my heart and we talked about it as a team to explore what some of the implications of that might be. How many of you know that we live in a world filled with hate? Where do the rest of you live in, Lake Wobegon? How many of you know we live in a world filled with hate? All around us, everywhere you turn, the world has gotten more and more angry. Last week we talked about how Jesus loved loud because he lived loud. And this morning I want you to think about it this way. Jesus loved louder than labels. Jesus loved louder than labels. Too often we see labels before we see people. Too often we see labels before we see people. We brand them by what we know about them and that gets in the way of us being able to love them and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to them. If Jesus were to have 
cared about labels before he cared about people, there's some of the disciples that wouldn't have been part of the team. For example, he recruited ignorant and unlearned fishermen. This was not a team of academic geniuses by human standards, and they were recognized as being common individuals. And then into that mix, he brings Matthew the tax collector, who was seen by the Roman or by the Jewish world as a sellout. Do you know how tax collectors made their money? Rome said how much they had to collect, and anything they collected over that, they, uh, they got to keep, kind of like the increase in property values right now. I know that's unnecessary, but I had to get that out. So you have Simon, I'm joking. No, I'm not. Matthew, the tax collector, who is seen as a sellout, and who's serving right alongside him? Simon the Zealot. Now, Zealot was a political party that wanted to take up arms and overthrow Rome. And it's a miracle that Simon didn't overthrow Matthew. You have a, you have a, you have a committed, passionate zealot who wants to overthrow Rome, serving alongside a sellout. I also thought about the woman, the great story of worship. When, when, when Jesus is in a Pharisee's house and this woman comes in and she anoints Jesus' feet and dries his feet with her hair. And the Pharisee says, if he had known what kind of woman she was, he would not have received her worship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Pharisees were label-driven. That's the kind of woman she is. We reject her. But Jesus was heart-driven. Here's a woman that needs the gospel. Is anyone hearing me? Because it's going to be a long road this morning if you're not getting what I'm saying. And I think evangelicals have to come to grips with our tendency to put labels on people and deem them as unreachable. For example, oh, they're a Democrat. Oh, they're, they're gay. Oh, they're, and fill in the blanks with the labels we put on people that cause us to push them away and never get to know who they are in their heart. And Jesus loved louder than labels. And for you to see that and for us to be effective, just understand me, I am passionate about the political positions I hold and what I think about this country, but I should never let my political positions keep me from loving someone who doesn't agree with me because that's what the cancel culture is doing. If you don't agree with them, you're bad, you're evil, you're not worth spending time with. And church, in this divided culture that we live in, in an incredibly dark time in our religious faith traditions in the U.S., we can't follow suit just because someone rejects you. We can't engage in rejecting someone else because of the labels they wear. We need to love louder than that. Come on, someone help me this morning. I'm preaching gospel to you this morning. We need to love louder than the labels and get to see their heart and not reject them because we don't agree with them or they don't agree with us. 
I want to take you to John chapter 4. We'll be there for a little bit this morning and follow along the story that happens. Jesus goes through Samaria and stops at a well. And a woman meets him there. And it's about noon. There is so much packed into this moment. The Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. There is something happening here that we need to pay attention to. But let's, let's look first at the woman and the labels that she wore that Jesus will discover if a woman, well, let's start with that. She was a woman. She was a woman, and in that day and in that culture, while there were women who were successful, and there were women that followed Jesus, and there were women that had money to support the ministry of Jesus and his disciples, they were not held at the same level as the the men were. In fact, I came across an account, there are different ones, that there's a prayer that observant Jews would say every morning that had 13 consecutive blessings, and three of those blessings were these. They prayed every morning if you were a devout, uh, observant Jew in that day. Blessed are you, speaking of God, that you did not make me a non-Jew. Blessed are you that you did not make me a slave. Blessed are you that you did not make me a woman. So in that moment, Jesus has a label to deal with. It's at noon, and he's there talking to a woman. We also find out not only was she a woman, she was an immoral woman. She was a sinful woman. Do you know that's why she went at noon? Nobody went at noon in the heat of the day to get water. She went at noon and it was obvious there's a reason she's coming to the well at noon in the heat of the day when no one else would come to the well. She was tired of dealing with the abuse and the criticism and the ridicule. And so she would go to get water for her home at the time when almost no one, there was no expectation that anyone else would be at the well. She was part of an ethnicity that suffered prejudice. She was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were cast off by the Jews because in Samaria, there was so much intermarrying that whether you were what they would have called a half-breed, and I know that's an offensive term, but it's a term that would have been used. If you weren't a half-breed, you must be because you're living in an area where there's no distinction of race. And she was under racial prejudice from the Jewish world. So you have a woman who's an immoral woman who is a part of a prejudiced or disenfranchised ethnicity and she's part of a false religion. The Samaritan cult felt superior to the Jewish cult. In fact, Samaritans considered themselves to be keepers of the Torah and that the Jews were wrong. They worshiped on Mount um, Gerizim because they believed that Abraham offered Isaac on Mount Gerizim, not on Mount Moriah where the temple would be built. And they said they're wrong. They're on the wrong mountain and they'd formed their own cult and connected with the Jewish Talmud, but they rejected Jewish Uh, worship which the Jews would have seen as a cult do you see all the labels 
She's standing there, all kinds of reasons for Jesus to not talk to her by the culture of the day. She's a woman. She's an immoral woman. She's part of a disenfranchised ethnicity, and she's part of a false cult. We can't have her in our church. Say, oh me, or amen. But the Bible says that Jesus sought her out. Isn't that amazing? I'm talking about Jesus loved loud. Jesus sought her out. Now, the King James, which is the real word of God, (laughs) translates the phrase this way. He must needs go through Samaria. And that's a unique Greek construction that can be translated, he, uh, it was expedient for him to go through Samaria. And you could build a case, as almost all the other translations do, that to get to point A to point B, the simplest way to go would be through Samaria. And that would be true. But you have to study the culture of the day. Jews would go incredibly out of their way to get to the destination of Samaria was in the way. They didn't even want to soil their feet with the dirt from Samaria so when it says he must needs go through I'm convinced there's something spiritual to be understood there that there was a constraint on him being led by his father and by the spirit of God do you ever have a compulsion that you need to do something that you don't know why follow that he felt constrained to go through Jerusalem and when he comes to the well there just happens to be a woman sitting there Or standing there now or comes up while he's sitting there so here's what I want you to see I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ in this day needs to become better acquainted with divine opportunities that if we are people of the Spirit we need to live like people of the Spirit and not live our lives praying all day long that God will give me an easy day a good parking place and a fresh donut But we need to pray, God, bring someone across my path today that I can talk with about you. I want to go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I'm going to go out my door with my eyes open, waiting for your direction and your inspiration and your touch. Please bring someone across my path. And if I could be so bold, what if we began to pray, God, bring someone across my path that the church world hates so that I can love louder. I'm talking about where we live. That we would love louder. What if we began to pray and look for those opportunities? That we would love people that other people hate. The woman shows up, and I love this exchange because she is as sarcastic as anyone I've read in scripture. And for some reason, that appeals to me. (laughs) He says to her, watch this exchange, it's incredible. It's enough reason for Jesus to tell her to shut up and walk away. 
So he says, will you give me a drink? Now, why would he ask for a drink? Because that would be a common courtesy. He's not traveling with a bucket and a rope to go down in the well or a ladle or anything else. And she's there with a way to draw out water. And it would have been a common courtesy if you're drawing water from the well and a stranger came up, a common courtesy would be to offer them a drink of water. And he says to her, will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into Chick-fil-A to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to her, oh, what an opportunity. Oh, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and you're asking me for a drink? In other words, she's saying, I've put up with all the guff from you Jews. I've heard all the things you say about us. And now, because you're in need, you're going to walk away from all the things that you say about us. And because you need something, now I'm valuable. I'm a commodity to be used. I'm an instrument to satisfy your desire. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You shouldn't even be talking to me. You shouldn't even be interacting with me. You ask me for a drink. Now watch. Jesus said to her, (laughs) see, the thing, oh, please hear me this morning. We will never be able to reach a lost world until we begin to reject the concept that you have a right to not be offended. In the moment that you are offended, there's an opportunity for you to love loud. And she is smarting off to him, bringing up all of her frustrations. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. What does Jesus do with someone whose labels create a divide that the world hates and rejects? You know what he does? And this is what we need to do all of the time. He begins to look for felt need. Where is her need? Where is her broken place? Where can I reach through the labels and the rhetoric and the politics and touch her heart where her heart is? And he's saying, why would he put it in that kind of phraseology? Because she's tired of coming to that well at noon in the heat of the day and being rejected by everyone in the culture. And here's a way that you can have water that you will never thirst again. And she says, it, it's, she's not done yet. Sometimes people have to vomit out their stuff before you can give them something better to eat. I could give you several illustrations from my life. The vomiting side, but we'll move on. Sir... She's still thinking about physical water. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get living water? And watch where she goes back. He's not talking about anything but water. But she jumps right back to, are you greater than our father Jacob? You don't have anything to draw with. Who do you think you are? You're making promises you can't keep. She's bitter. She's been abused. She has been rejected. She doesn't believe anybody. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it? And also his sons and his livestock? Oh, We're getting closer now. Now we're starting to get, her heart is starting to be revealed. And he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. 
but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He tells her about living water. And that should be the goal that we drive toward. And every conversation with someone who has labels that separates them from us is to find their need and begin to share how Jesus is the answer to that need and bring them to the revelation of what he can provide. Too often, the church is guilty of trying to talk people into a political position that will make the church feel more comfortable. Or will debate sexuality, or will debate other issues, social issues of the day, because we don't want to be uncomfortable with what they believe and the way that they behave. And sometimes we'd be satisfied if they acted like us, whether they met Jesus or not. Is there anybody in the house right now? I'm saying to you that he is moving past all of that. He's moving around all of that and saying to her, I know where you're thirsty. I know where your need is. I know where your issues are. And I know one who can satisfy what your craving is. Is there anyone in the house? I'm telling you, we've got to love past the labels. God forbid that this be a conservative, liberal, I mean, a conservative Republican stronghold. It needs to be a place where we love people regardless of where they come from and come alongside them and share with them a God who can change them. Because I'll tell you what, once they meet a God who can change them, everything else about them will begin to change. So he loved louder than her label because he called out her need. He called out her need. Second, Jesus though couldn't really minister to her without second confronting her brokenness. Jesus confronted her brokenness. (laughs) See, that's the other thing we have a problem with. We think that loving people means that we have to accept what they believe. And how many of you know that's what the world thinks? If you disagree with me, you don't love me. If you disagree with me, you're being hateful. If you disagree with me, um, you think I'm wrong and I can't have anything to do with you. And Jesus doesn't stop there. When she asks about the water, when she says in verse 16, finally get to the point, she says, sir, this water you talk about, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. All right, I'll take the miracle water. Give me the miracle water. I'll take some of that water. And what she's saying, so I don't ever thirst again, she wants her felt need addressed and Jesus isn't there to address a felt need. He's gonna go deeper till she sees her need of a savior. He's not stopping there. I'm not advocating changing our positions. I'm telling you that I will be in the, on the, the right-wing conservative position the rest of my life for a number of reasons. And I believe, for example, that abortion is a horrible crime against humanity. But if I meet someone who's not born again, I don't want to win an abortion argument. I want to lead them to Jesus. I want to lead them to Jesus. 
And she says, meet my felt need. I'm good with that. Give me some of this water. And Jesus responds in a ridiculous way. She's ready, right? We'd say, all right, fill out the card, pray the prayer. We'll put you in the workflow. We'll be there to help you. Pray the prayer. You want the water. She says, give me this water. And he says, go get your husband. What? Go get my husband? And she plays games. Do you know that people can lie by telling you the truth? <laughs> people can lie by telling you the truth. And she says, you're, um, I don't have a husband. Don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus, oh, don't mess with Jesus. <laughs> don't mess with Jesus. He said, um, you're right. You don't have a husband. The fact is, you've had five. And the one you're living with is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. <laughs> you little liar. What you've said is quite true. What I want you to see is once he's made a connection that she believes he cares and he does, it's sincere, it's not manipulative. He doesn't just leave her there. Now we've got to get to the sin question because it's not enough to join the church. It's not enough to say, I want to be part of that group. It's not enough to say, I love the music and I love the people and I enjoy the coffee and that's not enough people can't join a church and go to heaven they have to repent of their sin and be forgiven and ask Jesus into their life and we can't be afraid while we're loving past the label we can't be afraid to confront the sin that's destroying them because without addressing that there'll be no hope but we address the sin before we've ever shown them that we love them. Call out their need and then confront their brokenness. Jesus reveals her condition. And I love that this is an incredible story. This is fun to read. You should actually read this. It's hilarious. When he says what well, he says is quite true and she says, sir, I can see you are a prophet. You think? <laughs> He's never met her before. They're at the well and he reads her mail. Do you know what we call that? We call that a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. And he can do that for you and give you a word of wisdom on how to use it. That's what spirit filled is being about. It's not just about praying in tongues as important as that is. It's about walking in the spirit and being used in the gifts of the spirit and learning to hear his voice that he can give you something specific to minister to in a moment of time. And in that moment of revelation, she doesn't say, you hateful person, you don't know what you're talking about. When the Spirit of God reveals the secrets of the heart, the sinner will say, God's in this place. God's in this place. So she does what most people do. When you're trapped, change the subject. <laughs> when you've lost the debate, talk about something else. What you have said is quite true, sir. I can see now that you're a prophet, but our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Well, I didn't win on the moral argument, so let's go to the religious argument. That divides everybody. 
Who's going to heaven and not? Who's right and who's wrong? There are all these denominations. There's all these religions. Can you say, watch, can you say that you're right and everyone else is wrong? What kind of arrogance does it take for you to say you're right and everyone else is wrong? Jesus, you say this mountain. We say this mountain. And he says to her, believe me, there's a time coming (laughs) that it won't matter what mountain you worship on. Church, there's a day coming that it won't matter what denominational tag you hang on your name. What will matter is not what is your denominational tag, but what is your relationship with Jesus Christ. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. He doesn't back up at all. He doesn't soft sell it. He says, you're in a false cult. You don't even know what you're talking about. You worship what you don't know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yes, he's saying to her, yes, we are right and you are wrong. And you're going to have to address that if you want living water. But he goes on to say that most powerful statement. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He brings her to a place when he exposes her immorality. He exposes her false religion. He's already talked to her and accepted her as a Samaritan by asking for a drink. Do you see how he has blasted through every label that she wears and gets to her heart and confronts her sin? And now she's at a place where she is ready to receive. She believes. Jesus reveals himself to her. The woman says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. Oh, I know he's coming. What's happened here? He's found a piece of truth in the midst of all her untruths that she believes. And when she expresses that, think about what he says to her in that moment about the supernatural charge in that space, about the anointing of the spirit that filled that area of land when he says to her, I, the one who speak to you, I am he. (laughs) You believe he's coming? Oh, he's here. And I'm standing right here. And I can't say I'm him. But I can say if you want to meet him, I know who he is. If you want a meeting, I've met him. And I can help you meet him too. Because the issue isn't all of the labels. It's responding to Jesus Christ. And he doesn't ignore the labels. And he doesn't affirm her sin. And he doesn't affirm her false religion. But as in love, he challenges those. The walls begin to fall down. Until she realizes nothing that she stands on will sustain her. But there is sustenance. I believe the Messiah is going to come. I can take you to him. I can show him to you. In this case, he says, I am here. That's the question that matters. Who is Jesus? Who is the Messiah? So please understand, he loved louder than the labels, but he didn't ignore them. He plowed through them. After he has captured her heart, he confronted her brokenness. And then the story ends with he captures her heart. Do you know that's what God's after? If he gets your heart, everything else will change. 
everything else will change. And what does she do? I, I'm going to read into this story a little bit. But she goes around. Now remember, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't know how old she is. But she's had five husbands and she's living with one. This is not a moral leader in the community. Do you think it's possible to believe she might have had some additional indiscretions along the way? No? Well, then we're done. I think a person who is living without a moral compass has always done more than they will declare they've done. And she says, <laughs> come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. I bet there were some men in the community that said, I wonder what he knows. I wonder if he knows everything. But for whatever reason, this wasn't a threatening. Here's a woman who says, watch, come see a man who told me everything I've done. Now, they know what she's done. But her heart is, come see this man. She's not angry. She's not bitter. She's not threatening a lawsuit on slander. But in the truth of revelation, she's found a freedom that she's never experienced before. Come see this man. Come see a man that knows everything about me, that knows everything that I've done, that's challenged me in every part of my life, and he's made me a different person. You've got to meet this man. He's amazing. He's incredible because it wasn't about a moral code and it wasn't about a religious faith. It was about a man named Jesus who can change people's lives. And he got a hold of her heart. And church, we've got to grab hearts. Before we try to change politics. He targeted her heart, her heart and led him to faith. Now, <laughs> look at verse 27. If I need to affirm what I've been talking about, verse 27. The disciples came back with food and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Do you see the label? They don't know anything about her. Why is he talking to a woman? But they knew better than to ask him, what do you want or why are you talking with her? She leaves and goes on her way. And the Bible tells us that many of them believed when they heard her story. The most powerful testimony, our word we have, is the testimony of how Jesus changed our lives. They looked at her. She is the woman who's been in hiding, the woman who's been at the well at noon, the woman who didn't want to be seen, didn't, is publicly saying to everybody, come see a man who's revealed all of my sin. And she, what in the world happened to her? She's in the front row talking about what God has done for her. What happened to her? We've got to go see this man. What in the world is this all about? And when people with labels meet Jesus... Other people with other labels will want to come and meet him too. They'll want to come and meet him too. 
they came and they listened. And they said in verse 39, many of the Samaritans, now let, let, me, let me give you one other thing. Do you know how big a deal this was? If you read in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell outside of Israel, the Jews had a hard time believing anyone else could receive. So this was ingrained even into the early church. But Jesus um, there, ministers to them anyway, opens the door. So when the Samaritans came to him, it says that they, they said, we now believe in him because of the woman's testimony. Then they said in verse 42, we no longer believe just because of what you said. She has gone from a sarcastic um, problem with Jesus to a woman who has believed everything about him. And they said, but now we believe for ourselves because we've heard him. And they say to him, you can't go. You've got to stay. And he stayed there for two days. Why was there a revival in Samaria? Because Jesus loved louder than the labels. He called out her need. He confronted her sin. And in doing so, he captured her heart. Now watch this as we wrap this together. Rabbi, you need to eat something. He said, because they're just as ignorant. I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And they thought, someone bring him food? And he says this, watch. Because this is a verse that gets quoted out of its context often. I've done it because it's a great verse. But he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. What if we lived in such a way that the most satisfying part of our life was knowing we were doing the will of God? And then he says, don't you have a saying? It's four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look on the fields, they're ripe already to harvest. I'm saying to you, church, I believe God wants us to reach this region of the world. And we have to see the harvest rather than seeing the labels. We can't play by the world's games. Oh, listen, there is stuff that's happening in our world that makes my blood boil, makes me incredibly angry. I'm just gonna say to you, I don't think it's okay to have transvestites teaching our children. I'm never going to change that. I have political positions I am never, ever going to change. But I know the only way to change the culture. And I'll raise the voice and, and I'll be there for those discussions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not diminishing that. But if we want to see change, you got to get their heart. When they meet Jesus, everything changes. Because we weren't called to build a political platform. We're called to reach the whole world for the kingdom. Don't say those are Democrats, those are homosexuals, those are witches, those are Mormons, 
those are false cults and go on down that list. Do you know what you ought to see when you look out at this world? A field ripe for harvest. God help me bring the harvest in. God help me live loud, love louder than labels. I'm not saying that we dismiss. Jesus didn't dismiss. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't come back at me and saying, you're saying we're not to be involved politically. No, I didn't say that. I said that when it keeps us from loving, we're living contrary to the harvest. Let's love louder than the labels. They can spit on us and they can mock us and they can ridicule us and criticize us. But how many are hearing me this morning? Jesus loved the people we hate. He loved louder than the labels. And so my challenge this morning, he feels our pain. He's been there, he knows what it's like. He's seen all of the abuse. They nailed him to a cross. And he says, church, you need to love a little louder. And if that's your prayer, could we stand together while we worship? Would you say, Jesus, I dare you this morning. I dare you this morning to pray this prayer. Jesus, bring someone in my life that demands that I love a little louder. I dare you to pray that prayer and see what he will do. Let's take some time to wait on the Lord. Every time I try to make it over Every time I stand and start to fall All those lonely roads that I have traveled There was Jesus When the light by Friends I had were nowhere to be found. I could see it then, but I can see it now. There was cheese.
in the valleys There was Jesus in the shadow of the alleys Jesus, please search our hearts. Show us the deceitfulness of resentment and prejudice that blinds our eyes. Help us see people as, as you see them, people in need of a gospel message. We ask for your changing power in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's reach them. Let's reach them. I, I got to tell you, can I do one last story? I've been trying not to do this. But this isn't a new message. Many years ago, previous pastor, we're doing a missions convention. And a young guy walks in and he is everything I don't want our teenagers to be. He's obviously broken, likely high or inebriated, probably 16. He's got piercings everywhere and chains that go from his nostrils to his ears. And if I'm gonna be really uh, honest, I just wanted to pull him off. And there were some adults who were concerned that he might influence our kids. What kind of gospel do you have? I'm not talking about school now. I'm talking about, that's a different subject. I'm talking about your interaction with people around you. And I thought, well, how will they treat him? Here's what happened. They went over and introduced themselves and they're as clean cut as you could be and hugged him and invited him to sit isn't that what a missions convention is about? Now, let me fast forward. Years go by. I never saw him again. Years go by. There's a couple that come into the church with a couple kids. And I can tell that this guy has, with a horse, you'd say he was rode hard and put up wet. He'd had miles on him. And he's standing in the lobby, and he's just, his brain's just about fried. And um, he's standing there. And he said, this is a good place. Why do you say that? I, I was here before. 
when I was 16, I came to a, some kind of meeting here. I just happened to walk in the door and people hugged me and loved me. Do you know I was able 10 years later to see that young man give his life to Jesus because we're willing to let people love beyond the label. Let's love beyond the labels. Will you join me in that endeavor? Amen. God bless you. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for your financial support. You've got information how to connect with us on the video. Please do that so we can walk alongside you. And thank you again for your faithful giving. God bless you. Shake someone's hand. Be a blessing to someone today.